Every brilliant thing. I didn't really know what that was going to mean until I saw the show. Mm -hmm. And now it's all clear. Yeah, it makes more sense afterwards. It, it makes much more sense afterwards, and it makes me think about my own stories and my own lists. And uh -huh. you know, I think that's what the takeaway is that we, yeah. you know, we. I think the big hope is that that's what the audience is doing. Thinking about engaging with the show during the small when, things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did I make my own list, and what's on my list? Exactly. Yeah. Storytelling is a really healing kind of a thing uh, for one's own self to think about lists mm -hmm. and what's happened and what's important. So. Isaac Lamb, that was just brilliant. What a Thank brilliant you. afternoon. Really enjoyed it. And, and totally unexpected. Not what I thought. Oh, good. I Hopefully didn't, in a good way. In a very, very good way. <laughs> Every brilliant thing is basically a story of uh, you know living in life in the shadows of potential suicide. We mm -hmm. don't know what will happen if, when. That's usually the way it goes with our friends and relatives who've gone through that yeah. You know, when we have those people in our lives. Not everybody has that encounter. But your character's mother does. Yeah. Give me your take from the performer's uh, point of view of every brilliant thing. It's basically a, a piece on reasons for not to give up on life. Yeah. That's what you're fighting for from the time of being a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. Reasons for continuing to live. So when you came to this show, when mm -hmm. you came to this piece, what were you thinking? Uh, you know, I uh, there's something that I think this is in the text somewhere too, but there's something about the list that tracks this young man's growth over time. So it begins as this, a little boy's list, you know, things like ice cream and people falling over, you know, the things that a seven-year-old might think are brilliant. And one of the things about the script that I was, I found really heartwarming and sort of engaging was that you kind of tracked his growth, his personal growth over time as the list goes on. So as you see more and more things, you start to, um, kind of get a, a feeling of like where he is in his own personal you know, journey, um, depending on where in the list you are and what kind of things. And, and the things get more specific, like eventually it gets to things like the prospect of dressing up like a Mexican wrestler, you know, which are, you know, which are like more complex ideas. And so I think you actually, in, in a way that hopefully makes people reflect on their own lives, you, you sort of get to see this young man grow up. And depression means one very specific thing to a seven-year-old, but it means something entirely different to a 37-year-old. Um, and and you get to see him sort of fight that that demon um, as he as he's as he growing grows. as he's going to, from seven year old to high school to college yeah. to marriage to yeah all the evolution. This piece is structured in a really fascinating way. You know the audience involved way. Mm -hmm. how, and I'm wondering how you expect. You know you're going out there never really knowing what kind of a show it's going to be. It's not yeah. it's not Macbeth where line for <laughs> right. line. You know. Yeah. Top, double, double. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You know, Starts you know. and ends the same way every mm -hmm. night. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what do you do to prep for success for the show? Because you want it to be a success. Uh, what do you, What are you thinking of before you begin to go out into the audience? What kind of things? How How do you prep? How do I prep for the show? I think. I mean, that's a really good question. Uh, my sh the short answer is I try to make myself as present as I possibly can. Um, I think that that's the job of an actor. You know, anyways, is to just always be as completely present in the truth of every moment as you possibly can, even though you're doing this very rehearsed and very specific thing and you're trying to achieve all of these goals that you set out for yourselves in the rehearsal process, you ultimately are trying to just be in that moment with the audience. The brilliant thing about this show is that it is structured in such a way that the audience is forced to also be in that present moment with you because 
they interact with the show and with me over the course of the evening. I think that's the, the really, that's truly one of the brilliant things about this show yeah. that I've never been to a, a theater quite like this. You know, you, yeah. there's sort of a passivity to the audience. Right. You know, you expect to come in. Sit back, relax, uh, and enjoy. The, the lights go down. Uh, I love that moment, by the way. That's one of my favorite moments yeah. in theater where the lights start dimming, yeah. the curtain opens, sure. be it in the world of dance or theater or any, any kind of theater that's a very exciting moment because yeah. you know that something's going to happen. But in this case, we are not passive. Yeah. We are part of it. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant. It's structured in such a way that like you're deprived of that moment. You know, you have that feeling <laughs> of like, wait a minute, me. yeah, where is my where are my, my lights going down and my curtain opening? Yeah. Um, but it it is, and I, you know, I sort of hesitate to say the words audience participation because I think that scares people sometimes. But it's so it's crafted in such a beautiful way that the the audience is participation is a is a is a gentle entry it's, yeah you're invited in yeah. very gently and and it's communal and, and i think the show doesn't work without that sense of like it could only happen in this moment one time in this and you're not really space. sure what's happening at first and yeah. then it kind of gently evolves your story evolves from the seven-year-old yeah. so it's really quite the journey uh, every brilliant thing is is really a journey of a of a piece um, it's about life and death. Uh, what are your takeaways? New enlightenments. You know, you said that you have to be present. I, f I feel life, like you know. Have you have you had any new epiphanies? Let's say. I think so. I mean, I, I feel like as I've grown up, one of the things that I realize, I recognize, is that a, a good portion of my mental health and when I'm feeling the most connected and the most you know healthy in the world is when my relationships to other people are are well tended and well you know well versed and well connected all of those things are are alive and well and that when i isolate myself i tend to um, disconnect from the world and then i'm i'm on a i'm on a more fragile plane and i think this show really reinforces that for me um that you know happiness is happiness is real when it's shared and it's um your community is uh, as important to who you are and how you engage the world and how you survive on a day-to-day -day basis um, as anything else. And so I, I think I do theater as an expression of that on a, on a regular basis. That's not an accident that that's what I've chosen to do with my life, is an art form that's so hyper-connected to people. Um, but this show in particular, I think, pulls that out and, really and not everybody's had that kind of an experience in their lives as we were talking yeah. at the beginning of our conversation. I think a lot of people think that this act is very selfish. Yeah. That's usually how it's described. Yeah. And maybe yeah. and not right. And uh, not sharing your life can be selfish. Yeah. All those different well and things. I think that this this show, what the show sort of pushes back against the notion that, that there really are any easy or simple answers about suicide. You know, there's a very there's a very simple idea, right? This list of things that are worth living for. But ultimately in this piece, you know, there are no easy answers and there's no real salvation. I think the, the closest you get to uh, an answer is that life is hard and it's also shared. Um, and there's a comfort in sharing it, you know, and I think that's as much as what the character comes to. I, I believe that personally. Did you uh, make a list for yourself when you were starting the show? <laughs> um, they actually asked me to uh, for for the program. Um, so I made a very short list. Not a million. <laughs> Not a, no, I certainly didn't get to a million things. But my short list, I and... and um, I'm not just saying this to score husband points, but my short list does feature prominently my wife, Amy, who is, you know, just sort of the light of my life. 
Um, but and they all have to do with things like simple things like hanging out with our cats, you know, who are life is simple, amazing, life sitting on our simple. back porch, mm-hmm. watching the sunset and drinking a cocktail together. Mm-hmm. You know, the sound that she makes when I make her laugh, but like really make her laugh. <laughs> Not like a courtesy laugh, but an actual genuine like I from the belly laugh. I love courtesy laughs. laughs. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like a real laugh. Though. That's true, and yeah. those those are gifts, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, those they are don't really come around gifts. so often. You know, talk a little bit about, you're a Portland actor, mm-hmm. uh, talk a little bit about the theater scene, good things, encouraging things, brilliant things. I mean, I think we're in a really, really exciting time for Portland theater. Um, it's kind of, we're kind of been in this place of potential that um, is kind of coalescing in a way that it, I, I grew up here. So um, when I was a, a young man, I, you know, it was sort of at the beginning of Portland Center Stage's existence, um, and Artist Rep hadn't really grown into, you know, they're now a, a regional theater in the Lort Theater system. And, you know, so I, I feel like the, the town has grown as the city has grown, you know, the, the theater scene has grown. But there's also, like, Portland is a destination city now. You know, young, creative people want to move here. And um, when to I was yeah to the detriment of some, yeah, people, detriment of some. <laughs> but some um, us argue. locals who hate <laughs> hate people moving here. Yeah. Um, but I think it's ex- it's an exciting time. I imagine it's kind of what it would it had it felt like in you know Seattle in the seventies and eighties or Chicago way back in the fifties and sixties or something. You know, a theater town that could grow into something much more exciting. So there's tons of potential. And we I don't, think, and it's not quite visible to us yet. Yeah, not quite. It's, you know, it's still presenting itself. Yeah, I right. think the city will hopefully the city. I think the city needs to sort of recognize what's here and what's you know what that potential is. And I think. They're coming around a little bit at a time, but I'm excited for a time when the city starts to really invest itself in the local art scene and and theater becomes a more vital part of that. Well, it's continuing, uh, and thanks to you, Isaac, in this uh, really brilliant piece. It's nice to be a part of it. And uh, you uh, have so many talents in moving, in in <laughs> being able to talk off the cuff to people in the audience. I play the hair bongos really yes, well. Yes, you do. You have many. You're a man of many talents. I am. <laughs> but one thing that really presents itself beautifully is your voice. Hmm. Uh, of course, your speaking voice, but your singing voice, which not everybody can do. Mm-hmm. And I would like to ask you to end this wonderful conversation on a song. Sure. I sing this in the in the piece. It's uh, Daniel Johnston's. Some things last a long time. Your picture is still on my wall. Some things last a long time. Some things last a long time.